0: With the All-Star game about a month away, Patrick and I are gonna be picking our Eastern Conference All-Stars. Maybe a little early, but we're doing it. We're also gonna go over that Knicks-Raptors trade and wrap up with worst take, best take. patrick happy new year man happy new year happy trade season apparently yeah. i can't believe we got a a trade i know so on our last episode we did new year's resolutions for all the teams and my new year's resolution for the raptors was to trade og Ananobi, and they did the next day so shout out to the raptors for listening to me
1: thank you for being a fan and and supporting
0: this this podcast masai Ujiri. what did you what did you think of the trade I loved it for the Knicks. I feel like the general narrative is that the Raptors won this trade. And I think the sneaky thing that I really love about this trade for the Knicks is before this trade, maybe this was part of Knicks' PR getting ahead of it, but there was this report that Emmanuel quickly wants like a max on his next contract. And haven't really seen quickly get it done in the Knicks' kind of brief playoff appearances. I like Emmanuel Quickly a lot. I voted. I, I didn't. I don't have a vote, but if I did, I would have voted him Sixth Man of the Year last year. I think for the Knicks, though, you got to remember. You know, Brunson's like your one A player right now, or one B with Randall, right? You can't be paying all that money to Brunson, who's coming up for an extension soon, and quickly to really undersized guards. So it didn't make any sense for the Knicks to keep Quickly. I've always been very low on RJ Barrett. He's still a really inefficient player, especially inside the three point arc, and his kind of role people like designate for him as a slasher and it's like he's not actually that good at slashing so
1: 42 percent field goal percentage 33 percent from three
0: yeah it's just so quickly i think is a good player but for the knicks long term doesn't make sense for their salary cap spending and og and anobi i mean we talked about this on that resolutions pot this guy's really good and you saw it in the knicks their first game with him they beat the timberwolves who are the number one team in the west
1: yeah yeah no it was a great game and and a game that was really I, i watched Pretty much the whole thing of. And it it just laid out like the groundwork of what this Knicks team could be. And what I love about this Knicks team now is I feel like, especially in the completely healthy version of this team with Mitchell Robinson and everything, it's a team where literally almost every guy in their starting lineup is a guy that when you line up across from them, you're like, Fuck, I got to deal with this guy on one side of the ball. Like, guarding Jalen Brunson is no fun at all. Getting guarded by OG Ananobi is no fun at all. Julius Randle, I, he is not for an efficient all, for, dude. For all his faults. But, like, he's it a, cannot be fun to guard that guy. Oh, no, he's, he's a battering ram. in your chest every single play. Mitchell Robinson is, like, the best hustle big in the league. Like, they are just, like, it is very, like new age Pat Riley core, almost like I think this starting lineup and then you think about Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, it's super exciting. And I think that there's still a move to be made.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think also like um, Zach Lowe talked about this on his podcast about the trade. But like when you think about the Tibbs teams, you always think about defense. But when you think about the Tibbs Knicks, it's like who is the best wing defender they've had this whole era? Is it Josh Hart, who's pretty good? But now you're adding OG and Anobi, and it's like, now this team is probably going to take a step up defensively with this trade, and their starting lineup, which has kind of been the weak point of the Knicks, this whole kind of Tibbs era, they've always been like the team that's kind of not carried by their bench, but their bench really is kind of what elevates you know, a starting lineup that doesn't tend well, to... Well,
1: those, those Alfred
0: Payton starting yeah, lineups a couple of years ago. The Knicks starting lineup makes a lot more sense now, I feel like, with replacing Barrett with OG and... I know Barrett actually... He wasn't starting a lot toward the end of his Knicks tenure, was he? I don't recall. I think he might have not started all the games. But OG and Anobi, I think, is a huge upgrade. I think they are really going to miss quickly on their bench, without a doubt. Absolutely. The Knicks bench will probably take a step back. So if there's not another move to kind of bring in a guard that can help facilitate that second unit, maybe the Knicks don't kind of improve or decline that much in the standings. But overall, for the future of the Knicks going forward... I think this is a slam dunk trade. You also get Precious up.
1: To your point, like, yeah, classic Tibbs team is this, like, dog on defense team. They they have the 21st best defensive rating this year, so OG Ananobi will definitely help that a lot. Um, before we go over to the Raptors' side of all of this, do you have any, like, dream
0: targets for that, like, guard position for the Knicks? Ooh, you know oddly enough, Patrick, it would be, I don't know, I think it's probably passed, but I kind of, like, what if they got Dennis Schroeder somehow? Obviously Schroeder is on the the Raptors as is, and they're going to roll with, you know, quickly or Schroeder, because, you know, but, I don't know, just, I don't need a superstar point guard, but someone like that, just to help, you know, run the offense on the second unit. Like I that would have been a nice pickup for the Knicks if they were able to get him in this trade, but clearly they didn't, so that's probably not realistic. Yeah, defensively, I like that. I
1: I think there's been a lot of Knicks fans um dreaming about like a DeJounte Murray entering that backcourt. Do you have any feelings? No, don't about go that, that way. Don't go that way. It's kind of the don't same thing with the Trey Young thing. I, I think we've established at this point DeJounte Murray needs the ball a little bit more. And of course, Jalen
0: Brunson isn't Trey Young, but it's, the Knicks it's still a two their, point the guard. have their second option. It's Brunson on like the hypothetical title team. They, they need the 1A guy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the one guy that is not a 1A guy that is never, ever, ever going to happen, but I would love to just see them throw like eight picks on the table to try to get him is Mikael Bridges. I have always felt Mikael Bridges is best when he's playing the two. They would just be this like super big, super defense, like almost new age 04 Pistons team that I I would love to see them go after someone like that. But um, I do feel like, It's kind of the time is now for them to go after something.
0: So on the Raptors side, they do get RJ Barrett, who, you know, for all his faults, for my critiques, he's still pretty young. He still has a lot of room to grow. My my whole worry with him is I just don't feel like he's an explosive athlete, which is why I've never really loved him as a primarily slashing player. Quickly, who I think is going to be a big part of the Raptors, you know, core going forward, Um, a young guard who can shoot, can run the offense, has like a nice change of pace, can hopefully kind of get the Raptors kind of going in transition a little bit more I think and a second round pick um
1: the second round pick the pistons second round pick it will be the
0: 31st pick in the draft okay so a pretty good uh second round pick still a second round pick but yeah i mean i i i feel like the, the narrative i'm seeing online is that the raptors really kind of won this trade and i guess my worry is like quickly who is a good defensive player Skill wise, is just he is undersized, and it is one of those things where it's like, Yeah, I mean, he's a good defender. I don't want to say he's not a good defender, but he is small. And I guess my only worry for the Raptors is once you sign quickly to that extension, you have a lot of cap space going to quickly and bear it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, you would think that by the time like the like Scotty Barnes led playoff Raptors team is actually here, that Barrett deal is going to start expiring. It's going to be much further down the road. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think there is something to be like, if R.J. Barrett is going to succeed anywhere, it's going to be back in Toronto. But I, I think there's kind of this like interesting dichotomy of people saying, like, yeah, R.J. Barrett wasn't ready for, like, the loud noise of New York City, like, just the fans bearing down on him. I kind of felt like, I felt a little while now that R.J. Barrett seemed like the DeAndre Aiton of the New York Knicks for a while there, but now, wouldn't there be, like, even more pressure? Like, he is, like, this
0: Mr. Basketball Canada guy, I, I think comparing R.J. Barrett from like a mentality standpoint to Aiden is kind of disrespectful to Barrett. I've never felt like Barrett struggled for lack of trying or lack of like care. I, to me, it's with Barrett, it's always been the jumper hasn't really been there. And he's just never been an explosive enough athlete to be a dynamic finisher.
1: Well, I, I don't mean to say it in that same way, more... What I'm trying to say is from a fan angle, it's the consistency.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. I feel like Knicks fans really embraced Barrett when he got there at first, and then it was kind of like, oh, man, you're like skinny wing Julius Randle. <laughs> <You're just laughs> oh, which is disrespectful to Julius Randle.
1: Um, no, I mean, Julius Randle is a great player. He might be a, a three-time All-Star, yeah. which we're like kind of dancing around right now. But, I mean, you look back even to the playoff series – last year obviously super super rough playoff series um against Cleveland in the first round but then against Miami like he shot 37% from 3 i mean 42% from the field is not like amazing but it is against the Miami Maybe. Heat yeah. in the playoffs and he averaged 20 points a game so i we've seen flashes here and there of RJ Barrett being at least a starting level player on a like pretty successful playoff team. But um yeah, I, I just think it's like a good thing to I guess it's test like out. good thing to bargain
0: on. This is like this is kind of the weird analysis where I'll like drop all stats from a way I feel about an athlete in any sport. But it's like if you're rooting for the Heat like I was in the playoffs last year as a Heat fan, anytime the Knicks are on offense and the ball was in Barrett's hands, like I'm gonna chalk that up as a win for the Heat defense. Yeah. And I think if you're one of those players like where the other team's fans are like, sweet, Barrett's got the ball. That's just not where you want to be. <laughs> can I just do a little aside? <laughs> like, I don't again? I don't
1: know. I just don't see it with him. No, it's so funny that you bring up that mentality because I was I just saw this Twitter like thread about um Bill Simmons' takes when the Thunder were playing the heat in the finals. And it was it was I think the podcast was pregame of game one where Bill Simmons had picked the Kevin Durant Thunder to win the series. And he was citing the Boston Miami series before because obviously he's a fan of the Celtics. And he was saying like as exactly what you just said as a fan, he was hoping for Dwayne Wade to take every shot because Dwayne Wade was just approaching that cliff And I, to your credit, I think that's like the best way kind of to like gauge how you feel about somebody. Like if you're rooting against them,
0: are you cool with them shooting? I mean, on the flip side, that whole Thunder series, anytime Westbrook had the ball instead of Duran, I was like, that's a win for the heat defense. Like, I don't know. All right, let's talk about our Eastern All-Stars. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so there are 12 Eastern All-Stars that are going to be selected this year. Patrick, how many people were on your preliminary list? Ooh, okay. I will have to do a little math right there. I had 16 guys I considered for the 12 spots. So the 12
1: spots, 15, 16...
0: Oh, that I considered i I had like like considered decently, obviously my initial list was longer than sixteen, but the sixteen guys I felt like we could talk we you could talk me into it,
1: yeah, I had like
0: fifteen
1: guys that I think like you can make like a pretty solid case about, and yeah. then there was another like two or three that I think I put on my long list and then. The more I looked into it, it just seemed kind of wrong to make them an all-star.
0: So I guess do you want to start with the guys that just missed the cut? Um, sure. All right. So, first person I had that just missed the cut was Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is having an all-star level season. It's just that I felt like the 12 guys ahead of him have been a little bit better. So, Scotty Barnes is averaging 21, 9.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists, really solid. His three-point percentage is at 39% and that's actually been stable throughout the season. It, Um, he hasn't had these like hot streaks followed by like subpar. It's been a pretty consistent three point shot all year, which surprised me given, you know, free throw percentages below 80, but I think the three point shot might be here to stay just because it hasn't been the result of a crazy hot streak at any point. It seems like, uh, another thing I like about Barnes, he's playing every single night Really good at the rim. He has a crazy high shooting percentage at the rim. 89th and 94th percentile in offensive and defensive rebounding for his position. Man, why did he not make the cut for me? I'm just going through everything I wrote down. I love Scotty Barnes. But I just felt like it's not really there for him compared to the 12 guys I did make statistically. And I think one thing, as we talk about the trade, I think projecting forward, uh, it's going to be a little bit harder for him without uh, OG around. Yeah. And I mean, just
1: in general, it's hard for front court East guys yeah. because there's three dudes that just like are locked in, no doubt. Like they're going to be there for the next, I don't know, five to 10 years. So then everyone in the front court of the East is like jocking around for these like Three to five more positions, and that's where
0: Scotty Barnes is is hurting. The other thing that's really hard for the East forwards, too, and we're going to get into this, is there's like six guards who basically had to make the team this year, and the bench doesn't have position slots. So that means that's four just taken up right away by these guards. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and also, like, you look at the Raptors, just their success this year. Seven games under five hundred. I think... This is a really big like pivot point. We'll they won last night, but we'll see how they do moving forward, but like once you start getting into that like 10 games under 500 range, it's you're going to have to be putting up
0: like godlike numbers to get on my all-star team. Like they they have a I I really wanted to put Scotty on the team, but of the guys I had, it just didn't really feel fair.
1: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, I got stock in him. But um, another player that I had that just missed the cut was Jalen Brown. Yep, same. Um, It felt like at the end of the day, I'll, I'll throw out a couple more names that I was looking at, like Jalen Brown, Paulo Banquero, and then the probably best guy that missed my list was
0: Julius Randle. Oh, the best player um, that just missed the game for me was Bam Adebayo.
1: Okay, you didn't put Bam in. Um, Let's talk about
0: Jalen real quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jalen Brown. Uh, what yeah, are you so he's averaging 23, 5.1 rebounds, 3.7 assists on 49, 36, 73 shooting splits. You know, Patrick, I think what was tough about the All-Star game this year for the East was, like, how do you tackle the Celtics? Because you could argue the Celtics have, like, five stars mm-hmm. Not really. Drew Holiday's averaging like thirteen points. Derek White was the one that actually I actually would kind of wanted to give it to more than Brown. My my issue with Jalen Brown is like he has a twenty nine percent usage rate. He's in an amazing environment. Kind of feels like the efficiency should be higher for the highest paid player in the league. Um, <laughs> he's thirty six percentile in assist to usage rate. Like he's just never been a good playmaker. I've literally seen him shoot the Celtics out of two of their losses in games they easily could have won like i, I kind of feel like Jalen brown like because i know advanced stats have never liked Jalen brown like am i crazy patrick if you replace Jalen brown with scotty barnes like oh yeah i think it could that be, might be really a team. ugly for brown in toronto like we've just never seen Jalen brown in a bad team environment and i know that's not the exercise here but i really think like he's somebody who's actually underperformed given his team circumstance
1: yeah, I, I think that you can make a pretty good argument of that. And then, like, just again, like, he's, he's I think, a good bit behind that that group of guards that we talked about just in terms of, like, importance to their team. Like, the, the Celtics don't live or die by Jalen Brown. And I think that is part of this exercise, you know. We're telling the story <laughs> of, like, what the Eastern Conference has been so far this season. And I think you can just kind of do that without Jalen Brown. Also, like, comparing him to a guy like Julius Randle, who was my last cut from this list, like, Julius Randle has just had a, like, more holistic season. Like he's he's always he's been a little bit better of a scorer but especially a better scorer in in December uh uh, Julius Julius Randle dominated the Timberwolves last night yes he (laughs) dominated the Timberwolves yesterday but also just all of December averaging 27 points a game almost nine rebounds and almost uh or four assists he averaged five assists in November but like that's just, I think, affecting the game in a, a much more real way than Jalen Brown has.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's kind of interesting. So Julius Randle was my last one in. Sounds like he was your first one out. Uh let me let me get up those stats. In his last um 18 games, Patrick, Julius Randle's averaging 28 points on 54% field goal percentage. That's kind of where I had Scotty Barnes in that slot. And then I was like, all right, it's it's Julius Randle. He's mm-hmm. he's just been a better player, with all due respect to Scotty Barnes. Um, all right, I guess, so you had Bam in, it sounds like. Yes, I had Bam in. Um. Really, like, a
1: huge part of that for me is his defensive profile. Mm-hmm. Like, I think just like both of us predicted at the beginning of the, the year, Bam has looked every bit as a defensive player of the year candidate that we are hoping for. Um, I think the scoring is right there with those guys. He's averaging 22 points a game. Um, he's still acting as like one of the better, like center hubs in the league, uh, averaging four assists, averaging a steal, averaging a block. Um, that was just enough for me, uh, Coupled with the rebounding that he's doing a little bit better than Julius Randle, and and Julius Randle for everything like he's not the best defensive player. That I I just wanted to give a little uh, like hat nod to Bam there. Why
0: didn't Bam make your list? I felt like Bam and Jimmy both kind of had dubious cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So the big thing for me was like I felt like the Heat kind of didn't deserve two All Stars. I kind of wanted was like I felt like I had to pick between Bam and Jimmy. Jimmy's effect on the team as a whole when it's like the Jimmy on Bam off lineups, the Bam on Jimmy off lineups, it's it's dramatic. Like Jimmy, the Heat defense is a little bit worse when there's no Bam, but there is Jimmy. Both of them have a huge effect on the defense positively when they're in. But also, just Jimmy's kind of like the heart and soul of the team. And the thing with me with Bam, I think this big, there's this been, sorry, there's been a big narrative about how much better he's gotten in the mid range. And he is better in the mid range slightly the problem is the rate of his mid-range improving is not outpacing the rate of him taking this many more mid-range shots compared to rim shots he's also shooting a little bit less efficiently efficiency wise at the rim so i think the scoring for bam is a little bit misleading almost a little down even though he's averaging a career high points and i kind of just felt like jimmy of the two was the one i decided was should be the one who's an all-star
1: yeah, I I I hear that. Um I uh I was okay with the the heat um getting, getting to. to, and we'll talk
0: about that I'm later. I'm curious who else you don't have. All right, should we get to the starters then? Yeah, let's get to the starters. So without much discussion, Jason Tatum, Giannis and Joel and the three best players in the conference, they're all in. We're not even gonna talk about those yeah, guys. Yeah,
1: they're they're just the easy they they should be the three guys that are starting in the front court. Can I just say one Tatum stat that yeah. I was surprised by? He's averaging 1.23 points per possession on post-ups this year. Like, He's always been a decent post-up player. Like, a good beast. post-up player. I, I really think, like, this is Jason Tatum's year. Like, I, I think
0: so much of him right now. I wonder, like, I sometimes I do wonder, man, with the Celtics. Because I feel like there's been this whole thing, like, don't break up the Jays. But, like... Is there a water where maybe Jason is even better playing without Jalen Brown? <laughs> well, I mean, it's I don't think
1: it's about Jalen Brown, but like when the Derek White acquisition became what it is, and the way that the NBA has like transformed over the last couple of years, I think that there might be a point where it just makes more sense for the Celtics to get bigger. And I, I don't think that's definitely not during the season, but I I think that may end up playing into Jalen Brown's future as a Celtic.
0: I, I don't I don't know how you feel about that. I feel like they're sticking with him, especially with that contract. But anyway, the big thing with the East are the guard slots. There are six guards for two starting spots, and obviously, therefore, all going to make the bench. We have Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, um, Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Brunson, and Damian Lillard. Six amazing amazing guards who can only occupy two spots your first starting guard in the east my first starting guard in the east is Tyrese
1: Halliburton and honestly it wasn't even that that close really I, I think like there's been so much talk over really like our whole lifetime that like the like pure point guard is dying and like If there's ever been a revitalization of the pure point guard, Tyrese Halliburton, is it like 125 offensive rating
0: when he's on the court is just like absolutely insane. Yeah, so they drop from the number one offense to the number 20 offense when he's not playing. Yeah, that's that's a huge drop. So crazy. Yeah, with point guards like Tyrese Halliburton and the
1: style that the Pacers play, just how quickly they're getting up and down. I think the only real way to look at it in like a holistic um, sense of like where he is standing in NBA history right now is looking at per 100 possession stats. And so Tyrese Halliburton is averaging 17 assists per 100 possessions (laughs) right now. That's only been done by three dudes, like that point and and greater, Stockton, Nash, and Magic Johnson.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, so let's do the stat line. He's averaging 24.6 points, four rebounds, 12.8 assists. Like, that's a crazy assist total, especially for a player who, honestly, I know he has a high usage rate, but he's not a very heliocentric type player, and I think that's where it's like you're really hitting that next level of passing when you're averaging that high of a total, kind of like a Jokic, but you're not you know, pounding the the air out of the basketball every possession.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then getting back to that, that stat that I was looking at of those guys that are around there in assists per 100 possessions of that, that Stockton Nash Johnson class, Halliburton has the lowest turnovers of any of those guys by almost one whole turnover and he has the highest points per game by, like, seven. He's averaging 24 points a game. Like, the, the way that he is a, affecting what the Pacers do on offense, play in and play out, like, it's just super rarefied air. And, like, not even to mention, I think he should be rewarded for, like, getting the Pacers where they went in the in-season tournament, even though it's been a little rough since then.
0: It's been very rough since then. But yeah, Halliburton, he was my first guard. Now, this is the the interesting one. Who did you have in your second guard spot? I ended up putting Donovan Mitchell. Same. Okay, cool. We both had Donovan Mitchell. Cool. So Donovan Mitchell had 28.5 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 5.7 assists. So Mitchell is just carrying a Cavaliers team that's gone most of the way without Garland and Jared Allen, who, by the way, were both underperforming when they were playing. Um, so Cleveland's like a plus five with him, a minus five without him. And one thing that I've realized with Mitchell that I've kind of like hated about the narrative around him is there's been this narrative ever since he got to Cleveland that it's like Mitchell's doing nothing to elevate, you know, Mobley's game or Garland's game. Can I flip it on its head? Yeah. What have the Cavs done to elevate Mitchell's game? And he's still balling, averaging a ton of points. He's carrying a Cleveland team that last night they were the sixth seed. We wake up today. They're the eighth seed, but like. I don't know, man. Mitchell's really good. He's one of the most unguardable players in the NBA. He's never been a... like. He's not... I feel like there's a perception that he's this crazy kind of ball hoggy type player, and that's actually not really his game. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so much credit needs to be given to him for keeping the Cavs afloat
1: during this time where they're missing Garland, they're missing Mobley. Like Those are two of the three best players on their team, and really, they've looked about as good as they've looked as at any part of the season. And I want to give a little shine to Donovan Mitchell's defense. The Cavs right now are in uh, adjusted um points per possession on cleaning the glass. They're 5 points better on defense when Donovan Mitchell is on the court. Like that is completely contrary to the narrative that we are being fed about donovan mitchell
0: so it's really funny you bring up the defense and his effect on the defense because actually when i was kind of doing the like mitchell versus lillard versus trey young versus maxi versus brunson i was kind of like all right how does the defense factor in especially when we're talking about lillard and young and i kind of looked at like like what's the point of attack defense obviously defense stats aren't perfect this is not a perfect metric but like Like, we'll get to Trey Young later, but, like, when Trey Young's on the court, the Hawks allow, like, the most rim attempts in the NBA by a mile because, like, the point of attack defense is really bad. The Cavs actually allow a lot less when Mitchell's on the court, which is, like, again, not an end-all, be-all number, but it is a little, like, okay, like, he's preventing guards from just blowing past him. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, the first time, other than his rookie year,
1: this is the first time that he's had any stats that would indicate him being a positive on the defensive end. And I mean, like every stat indicates that he is like a huge, huge positive on the offensive end. So the, the one thing that like made me a little hesitant to put me, to put Donovan Mitchell over the other guys was just his games played. I think going forward, if he misses any chunk of time before the all-star game, then, yeah, I might have to push him down below the other guys. But as it stands right now, I think there's a there's a pretty clear um Donovan Mitchell case, yeah. I, we both had Mitchell. I guess can I ask you one thing? Yeah. Did Donovan Mitchell being more of a two guard like inform your decision at all? Oh, it actually did it. okay. I just it's something that I thought about. I'm like, if this was an actual team, I would want Donovan Mitchell next to Tyrese Halliburton more than any of these other point guards. Um, I thought about it, but I think I don't know.
0: who would you of the guards have? Obviously it doesn't matter. they're all going to be on our bench. Who would you have second among those four other guards? I'll, I'll tell you, there was a time
1: yesterday when I was doing this where I put Lillard there. Um, there was a time where I put Trey Young there. Trey Young's stats are like just so gaudy right now. Um, but um, the really the only guy that I I was
0: super considering was Lillard. Okay, interesting. Yeah, for me it was between Lillard and Maxi. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, and I, I see that with Maxi too. All um, right, let's let's get to the bench. All right, I guess. First up, Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey, I got him there,
1: too. I mean, he's just been a net rating god
0: this year. So he's averaging 26.1 points, 3.8 rebounds, 6.5 assists. Maxey's been an efficient player. Um, The no-in-bead lineups are still really good offensively and defensively when Maxey's on the court. Great sign for Maxey. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what there's much to talk about. The guy's one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's dynamic. He's kind of helped Philadelphia write the ship in the hard end fiasco. And
1: yeah, super, <laughs> super efficient player. Um, too. Like he's shooting what 38% from three, 45% from the field when he's like this super tiny guard, which is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think he he was my at the end of, he was my next guy after Lillard uh, mm-hmm. as far as guards went. Um, and the only reason, or do you have anything else to say about Maxi? Maxi's good at basketball.
0: Maxie's really good at <laughs> basketball. Yeah, I mean,
1: like I don't, I don't
0: know what else to yeah, say. He's it. been an elite guard, and,
1: and the Sixers deserve two All Stars. Yeah, I think with the team that they've had.
0: Uh, next guy up, I guess we've talked about him a lot, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, I mean, his stats are right there with everybody else. Yeah, so he's averaging 25.9 points, 4.4 rebounds, 6.8 assists. Um, one thing I think, because for me it was really tough between Maxi and Lillard. Like, Maxi and Brunson were kind of neck and neck for me for a while, but the more I dug, the more I was like, I think Maxi might be the better player right now, as much as people wouldn't want to think that because Brunson's kind of in the 1A role on his team. But, like, Lillard's just like, a solid 4% true shooting ahead of Maxi and Brunson. He's great at drawing fouls. Like I feel like the three point shots only going to tick up by the time we get to the all-star game. And like, I think with Lillard, it's like he's scaled his game down to fit around Giannis. Like, and it's, yeah, I don't know. My tiebreaker with Lillard between
1: Maxi and Brunson was like in this exercise, you're kind of, especially with guys whose statistical profiles are so similar, you're looking for any like, Thing you can actually hold on to, and it was just it was the the clutch time stuff. Like he has been so like plus sixty two in sixty six mi- uh, minutes in the clutch this season. Raw plus minus. Like if Damian Lillard wasn't that guy this year, we would be talking about the Bucks in a completely different way because the Bucks wouldn't be battling it out for the best record in the NBA which that's where they are right now and I think I I think that that's worth something
0: yeah no I had I had Lillard a little bit ahead of Maxi as well I feel like he's just kind of he's just a better player right now like mm-hmm. I don't really know how else to say it like I'd rather have Damian Lillard right I, it's like he's I hate Damian to, Lillard and his he's, prime he's Damian, he's Damian Lillard but I think like the one thing that did make me kind of consider Maxi over him for a second is like the Bucks Dame on Giannis off lineups are like not as good as the Philly on and beat off lineups, which I thought just kind of tucking that away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good thing to, good thing. Cause to I think, think about. that's
0: the big thing with Lillard and young, who we're going to talk about is like their defense has been like a big point of discussion this year, especially earlier in the year. Like Lillard's defense was a big point of discussion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say that I, I think the personnel that Maxi is playing with is like clearly superior to, um, Trey young and, and, Damian Lillard, who they kind of are playing around. I mean, Dame has okay guys, but, like, with Giannis off, I, I, it's not a perfect fit. But, uh, yeah, definitely a, a nice stat to put in your, in your pocket. Just tucking it
0: away. All right, uh, Jalen Brunson. Um, Jalen Brunson, yeah, he was one of my wild cards. Um, I mean – Let's go over the stats real quick. He's got 25.9 points, four rebounds, six assists, and the big Brunson stat is 44.7% from three. Yeah, that
1: is insane. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably went down since uh, we did that exercise, or this exercise, because yesterday against the Timberwolves, he could not buy a three-point shot. But... um I mean, he's been the story of the
0: Knicks. You know, he's been the heartbeat. Brunson's amazing. It, it kind of blows my mind how well Brunson is able to, like, efficiently score from the mid range with his, like, small size. But, like, he's probably one of the best players in the league at using his body to, like, carve out space. Like, yeah, I mean, it's really impressive what Brunson's done. He's definitely kind of, like, I mean, now that the way Randall's playing, I feel like it'd be kind of unfair to say he's carrying the Knicks. But I feel like Brunson has been this, like, consistent Force that has propelled like the Knicks offense to kind of like you know yeah, be that kind be of be what it is, and yeah. it's
1: a top 10
0: offense in the
1: league right now. Like the fact of the matter is, without Jalen Brunson stirring the drink, this Knicks season would have kind of been a disaster. Um, and that's why I ended, I felt the same way that you felt about the Heat with the Knicks. I, I just felt like I, I didn't know if the Knicks really deserved to have two, two All Stars, mm-hmm. and I I was trying to pick between Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, and it just it felt like Jalen Brunson was a little bit more vital to what this team was uh, identity wise and like success wise. So that that's why. Really, at the end of the day, I, I ended up going with Jalen Brunson.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's interesting. I feel like like when I was making it, I was like, okay, this is like last year was the surprise. Because I feel like last year everyone was like, oh, Brunson's going to be an all-star. And then it was like, nope, Randall's the Knicks all-star. And everyone was like, what's going on? But <laughs> I feel like this year we're going to write the ship. Brunson's getting his first all-star nod. Um, all right, the last guard that we considered was Trey Young. He's averaging 28.3, three rebounds, and 11.3 assists. So numbers-wise, you're probably like, how is he not the guy we talked about, maybe not in the Mitchell spot, but at least the first guy we talked about, even though these guys are all technically tied. Um, Patrick, for me, the reason why I didn't even really consider Trey Young for that starting spot is he's got the highest usage rate of all these guys by quite a bit. He's got a 36% usage rate. Um, opponents get to the rim basically best, like, a lot when Trey's on the court. Uh, he's just not a good defender. And, like, his brand of heliocentric basketball is, like, Maybe my least favorite of any of these like Harden, Luca type guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, and team success was a huge thing. Like, I was honestly, I was racking my brain to try to like justify not having Trey Young on this team, and I could not justify it. So I had Trey Young on this team, but like, there are six games under 500 this year, and like, really, with like their talent level. Of like presume their presumed talent level, they shouldn't be there. Like and and it's because of Trey Young on defense. Trey Young on offense is the reason why they're not pistons level right now. But um yeah, it would have just been completely like like un like unaddressed in, in history for a guy with this kind of production to not make the all star team.
0: Yeah, he has to be an all star. I mean, I I think it's just with Trey Young, it's like there was a game I watched against the Heat, I want to say maybe last week or two weeks ago, where like their last like eight possessions, I think Trey shot it like seven times. And it's like when you become that predictable, you can put up these really good stats. But like ultimately, like that's one of those weird things where why you see the team isn't performing very well. Cause even if you're hitting some of those shots, like you need to make your offense more predictable. More unpredictable than like Trey Young's gonna gum in Anekia or Capella's gonna set a screen or it's like a your turn my turn with Dejounte like their offense is not fun to watch.
1: No, I I will say like good things about Trey. Trey's shooting much more efficiently than he has ever has before. I feel like Trey's always gotten this pass for his efficiency of like oh well he's like only taking logo shots like he shouldn't have that great of an efficiency but. And so he's been a career 35% three-point shooter. Yeah, I
0: think that's what, like, not great. has really frustrated me about Trey. Because I think, like, early on, everyone's like, he's the next Curry. And it's like, he's not Curry as a shooter. But, like, clearly the guy is a really, really good shooter. And, like, his efficiency is bad because of, yes, the logo shots. But just, like, the difficulty of shots. And I just feels like, man, like, if you could get your usage rate down from 36 to, like, 30, which I know is like a kind of a steep drop, but like, and then play off the ball a bit more and like not just stand four feet behind the right wing every time you don't have the ball. Like that's the the thing I don't like about his game. And talk about a guy who knows how to like uh, navigate
1: screens. Like if he could just commit to navigating off ball screens, he could make his life so easy. And like, I really think that it would be possible for if Trey Young was in the right situation where he was forced to play off-ball a little more. Like, I think Trey Young's a guy that could average, like, 35 points a game. Like, he's that kind of scorer, but he makes his life so hard.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't think the best version of Trey Young is a 35-point-per-game guy. I think it is someone who's playing off of, like, a big-man-hub type player, which, like, Anyeka and Capella aren't quite. Like, Trey Young playing with, like, a Bam or a Draymond would be, like, pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would. I mean, forget about offense. Just having like some kind of like backline <laughs> defense. Yeah, it's just yeah to I mean, protect him. And
0: it's tough with Trey because like the thing with Lillard's defense is like there's not a lot of times I watch Lillard play defense where I'm like he's not trying. Like Lillard just genuinely seems kind of bad at defense yeah, off ball, he's older. on ball, like navigating screens. He's not good at it, but like. Trey, like, there's that, like, okay, dude, are you trying? Mm-hmm. That yeah. I don't quite get with Lillard.
1: Yeah, yeah. The other thing about his efficiency is like career high true shooting, career high effective field goal. Like, he's an all star. He's, he's <laughs> an all star. That's why he's an all star. Is like he's really like made it made it happen uh, on the offensive end, but it, it hasn't translated to wins.
0: Yep. Okay. My next all star was Kristaps Porzingis. I also had Chris Stapp's Porzingis, yes. Yeah, so we've talked about Porzingis on this pod a lot. Uh, One number that just blew my mind is like 82% at the rim. Mm -hmm. And like what I kind of talked about earlier with Jalen Brown was like, given your team situation, I feel like you should be more efficient. Porzingis is like the, oh yeah, I'm on the great team situation and I'm making the absolute most of it. Like All his efficiency stats are way up. Um, he's scaled down his, like, he's basically just perfectly scaled his game around playing on the team he's on. He takes a great team to, like, an all time level team from an advanced stats standpoint, like, 20 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 1.7 assists. I think of all the guys on the All Star team, his stat line is the worst, but, like, this is the guy where I'm like, I'm not going to punish you for playing on a great team because you've only made this great team, like, hit crazy marks.
1: Yeah. I mean, so defenses are shooting 44% when uh, on shots guarded by Chris taps Porzingis right now, overall only a uh, uh, 12% worse on shots, six feet and under when Chris Taps is guarding them, like really just the elite of the elite in rim protectors. And we're going to do the West all-stars next episode. So make sure not to miss that. But, um, I'm kind of like projecting forward. I'm pretty sure Rudy's going to has put himself in the conversation for an All-Star appearance in the West. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but pretty sure. And if he's in that conversation, Chris taps needs to be in this conversation. Like you said, super efficient shooting 52% from the floor right now, 32% from 3, so like that is three points under his career average. If that takes up a little bit more, which I think it's realistically possible to assume that will, because he's getting the most open <laughs> shots he's ever had in his entire life. Um, yeah. Eight more, 8% higher than his career average effective field goal percentage. Like Kristaps Porzingis is finally kind of being the guy that we always wanted him to be.
0: Yeah, no. And I think it's like one of those things where I needed the Celtics can't have one all-star. No, no. Yeah. It's not reflective of the type of team they are, even though Tatum is that good. Yeah, honestly, like the
1: kind of team they are is a three all-star team, but this is a- It's just such a tough year. More, it's just, the NBA is just way too talented, I I think, for a team to have three all-stars and- unless it's a very, very specific scenario.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's just not a lot to say about Porzingis. Just, like, again, like, he really elevates the Celtics on both sides of the court. Like, he takes an already good team and just makes them really, really good. Like, he's had no fit issues. From game one, the fit has been seamless. And, like, credit to him. Like, yeah, I just think he's been an all-star. I think he's been their second-best player this year.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I think so too. Um, of guys that are averaging 30 minutes a game or more, he's fourth in the league in net rating, 12.7. And like, that's got with guys like Derek
0: White. <laughs> yeah, like we all know like, yes, like, because one thing I looked at with those like rim attempts allowed stats, like again, those are so messy. That's why I don't like using it as an end all be all. like with Porzingis, it's like when he's on the court, like the Celtics like, don't allow attempts at the rim. But like part of that is like you're playing with Drew, mm-hmm. you're playing with Derek, you're playing with Tatum. So like, I don't know how much like credit I want to give to Porzingis for something like that when the point of attack defense is so good, but it's also like they also don't allow people to make shots at the rim, which is like that's the big man stat, and he's the big man. So it's like, okay, yeah. like your defensive impact is like every number says when you're on the court the Celtics get even better, and it's just like he's an all-star. There's also like a reputation aspect of his rim protection.
1: of Like, <laughs> like we heard Ant say it last year, there's no guy in the league that Ant is more worried about Going into the paint with than Kristaps Porzingis, and once you're in that level of rim protectors, then people just stop testing you.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing too, it's like kind of interesting. Obviously, Wemby has nothing to do with this, but it's like kind of funny. Like going on to like ESPN Basketball Reference, cleaning the glass, and it's like every website's like has a different height listed for Porzingis too, which is yes. really funny. That like I've serious. seen him as low as seven one and as high as seven three. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say about
1: Porzingis, and the reason I looked up that um Tatum post up stat is because there was a lot of talk earlier or like Mavs era percentage. Mavs era, era earlier in Chris App's um career that he couldn't punish switches. He has a uh points per possession of 1.48 on post-ups this year like that is just automatic and that is exactly what the celtics are asking for from him so definitely all-star worthy from tingus Pengus. yeah uh all right so my next guy was jimmy butler I I my next my next guy was Jimmy Butler slash Bam Adebayo. bio. I have the, both of those guys. We already talked about Bam. Let's talk about Jimmy.
0: Yeah, so Jimmy's averaging 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4.5 assists. So he doesn't jump off the page stat wise, right? It's pretty much a similar. It's actually a worse counting stats than Scotty Barnes. But man, when Jimmy plays, the Heat are really good. They're plus six, one nineteen offensive rating, one thirteen defensive rating. Uh, There's a lot of concerning numbers with Jimmy's scoring, and this is kind of where I was like, I feel like Bam is kind of like a little dubious with the efficiency, Jimmy too. So Jimmy's at his lowest two-point percentage since 2016. Uh, Despite that, this is the highest number of his shots that have been assisted on, and it's his lowest rim attempt rate. So something to put away as we get to the playoffs, there are kind of signs of Jimmy aging from an individual standpoint. His impact on the team is noticeable as ever. Uh, The thing with Jimmy, he still gets fouled a lot and he's shooting 88% from the free throw line like those are the things that is why Jimmy Butler will like have like the same stat line as like a DeMar DeRozan but have like a way higher PER it's like he's just doing the little things just so so well um yeah it's tough for me like right like i felt like him and bam cuz it's like how am i going to take Scotty Barnes off with the same stat line and put Jimmy and bam or bam on but for me it's 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 one of those things where i'm gonna be a little biased a little retroactive like jimmy butler's been the best player in the eastern conference playoffs three out of the last four seasons thank you like thank you
1: At, there's a certain point where we need to take the stats and throw them away yeah. and make it make sense for their careers like
0: last year jimmy butler did this whole thing like i know not everyone's like a heat fan but like they were like how do you feel about not making the all-star team and he's like i love it i get to go on vacation like bam can go to salt lake city and it's like you know what jimmy You're one of the best players in the NBA. You can't go on vacation during the All-Star weekend. We need you in the All-Star game. Like, you probably are going to play 10 minutes, but... (laughs) Absolutely, and like, I I don't know. Jimmy Butler just needs All-Star
1: games on his resume because he's that kind of player. Yeah. And he was on kind of those weird Bulls teams where he probably should have gotten a couple more All-Star appearances than he got, but he wasn't there reputationally before, and you know what? He's there now. Um, But yeah, I mean, the effect on the game that Jimmy Butler has is just like unquestionable. One fun stat that I found. So Jimmy Butler is second of all forwards for the least fouls committed per defensive play. Can you guess
0: who's number one? LeBron James.
1: You're right. LeBron LeBron never fouls. I know. But those are the kinds of players that we're talking about, guys that are genius basketball players. And you know what? Genius basketball players, that's unquantifiable.
0: But genius basketball players belong on all-star teams. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy's just really good, man. So it sounds like the guys that we we kind of talked about, both of them already, is Bam and Julius. You had Bam. I had Mm -hmm. Julius. Yeah, yeah,
1: we talked about him a little bit already. Um, wow, so we
0: only had one player we disagreed on? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. I, I know. Feel like this is a stacked All-Star field, but yeah, I mean for me like I guess of guys who just missed the cut then for you between Randall and Barnes, who was the one that you felt like you would argue for more? Definitely Randall. Um I I th- uh, the better team aspect
1: is huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Julius Randall's putting up crazy numbers right now 23 points a game <laughs> nine, 9 rebounds almost 5 assists like guys from the true four position don't like pass the way Julius Randle or at least get those counting stats the way Julius Randle does i honestly i think it comes down to that first month of his his uh season this year if it was a little bit more like what this last like month and a half has b- had been he probably would make it for me over honestly, maybe Jalen Brunson or um a, a guy like uh like Bam or I would even consider it over Jimmy. just like his stats are so just much that more much better, yeah than than his. but um, at the end of the day i I just felt like I needed Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo a bio. Not only from like a offensive perspective, but especially from a defensive perspective, over um, Julius Randle, that's why I ended up going that way. Um, who is your guy that you think like you could make a great argument for?
0: <sighs> Dude, it's tough. It's either Bam or Scotty. It's just. The thing with Butler and Adebayo, I've already said it. Like neither of their stats really jump off the page to me. And from an efficiency standpoint, I think you have an argument against both Jimmy and Bam. So I actually would have Scotty Barnes as my first one off. Okay. okay. Um, I just feel like Barnes is just he's a very deserving All Star player this year. Um, he's just so good around the rim and off assets of like scoring, rebounding, like the three point shots really been there this season, like i really wanted to put him in over randall but randall's just been so good for quite a stretch now Mm -hmm. and again the all-star game is in a little bit over a month so we are projecting forward like three weeks and i do think that og trade is only going to make randall's life easier and i think taking og away from scotty is going to make his life harder so i think we're going to kind of see julius keep ascending whereas barnes maybe just kind of if yeah, not, maybe takes like a, a little bit yeah i don't think he's gonna have a huge efficiency drop but i think it's gonna like trickle down
1: yeah i think it'll be a little tough for for scotty because he's really been like the guy with the ball in his hands this year like dennis schroeder is the great thing about dennis schroeder is he's comfortable playing off ball like, yeah he knows how to. he learned how to play off ball next to lebron next to chris paul like all these like Super ball dominant, like basketball geniuses. Yeah,
0: it's also one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, Scotty, if you're an all star, I know you guys just made the trade, but you can't lose to the Pistons, (laughs) man. You can't.
1: It's a year early, he's so young. Like, I don't feel bad leaving Scotty Barnes
0: off. I do at all. He's good, I feel bad. Um, okay, like, yeah, those are our all stars. So, to recap. Our mutual All-Stars, we both had Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Brunson, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Chris Porzingis, Jimmy Butler. You had Bam Adebayo. I had Julius Randle. And those are the Eastern All-Stars that we've picked. Woo, woo. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right. <laughs> can I tell you an um, All-Star,
1: just like before we get into the insane part of the podcast, can I segue in with an insane idea? I can't remember which podcast I heard this idea on. But so a huge thing with the All Star game is like the players don't care. The players don't care. They've tried the Elam ending. I don't know if they're doing that again this year. But I heard someone said the way to get players to care about the All Star game is to take the refs, throw them out. And let the players call their, their own, own fouls. fouls. Oh my god! For the entirety, I love it. I think they'll they be locked in. The the game might take six hours.
0: Yeah, I think Joel Embiid would single handedly piss off. Yo- oh my, Giannis and Embiid on the same front line now that they're teammates is going to just.
1: Oh yeah, the poor the point. poor Western.
0: Con- I know the Western Conference has a lot of good players, but man.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like playground beefy. rules,
0: Giannis and Embiid. I don't, I think with playground rules, like, yeah, how do I you, mean, I don't, do I know Jokic them? is all that, but if we're playing with like, are you going to be a wussy? You going to call that? Like, I, I think Giannis and Embiid are easily the two best players in the league. How do you
1: feel about them going back to the, the East West format?
0: I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I, I think they're just, I just don't like how we have to keep shuffling the rules to make the players care. Like, I just, and like it's an indictment on certain players too. Cause like like last year, like Tatum was going off. Like he was scoring three after three. And Embiid was getting pissed. Like Embiid started like really contesting, started picking him up like near half court. And Tatum, like, was just draining like really difficult shots over in Embiid. But like, like guys like Embiid, Tatum, Giannis, they really they really care. Like LeBron was really like looked like he really was like locked in and caring. It got kind of hurt, so he subbed out quickly. But like Man, two guys who are two of my favorite players, but I cannot stand the way they approach the All-Star game is Luka and Jokic. Please take it seriously this year. Like everyone loves you two, like the two of you do not care and it's really annoying to watch. Yeah, because I mean, they're going to be starters again. I will
1: say the All-Star game is the one area where I feel like the Kobe stands kind of have a point. I think LeBron kind of He kind of ruined the all-star game, like starting with him not wanting to participate in the dunk contest. Like that was a mantle that was handed down from great player to great player. Michael Jordan did it. Kobe did it. And LeBron just said, look, I'm too good for this. Like I'll be in the normal game, but like this, we're just having fun. And you know what? That's leaked into the all-star game itself. And Someone needs to, like, just put the the mallet down and say, like, we're taking this seriously. And I don't know if anyone has the cache to this do might that be the this year. I don't
0: know. I think the West is in for a bad time because, spoiler alert, Luka Doncic and Jokic are going to make our starter list. Oh, yeah. And, dude, the East has Tyrese, Halliburton, Giannis, and Embiid. That's, like, three guys who are actually going to give a shit in this kind of environment. I... I kind of feel like the, is it are, can we bet on the East right now? I kinda of, I feel good about the East that right is now. Good. I bet they'll be the the dog too. Or I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's hard well, to Well because I think
0: the West I think historically the West I think the I think the West is going to have a better roster, but when you consider attitude toward the All Star game, man, I like I like this East front line.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do too. Uh I mean I'm like now I'm like trying to think of,
0: of West players.
1: Yeah, I mean, LeBron will probably be the starter.
0: I don't know. We're going to talk about about the West on our next podcast, which, by the way, will be on Thursday. We are adjusting our posting schedule. We're going to be posting on Mondays and Thursdays this year instead of Tuesdays and Fridays. (laughs) With exception to today. With exception to today. Um, All right. You ready for best take, worst take? I'm ready for best take, worst take. Patrick, I scoured the internet for worst takes for like an hour, and I couldn't find one.
1: You know, they they you you got to you got to do a lot of digging. Positive, and,
0: yeah. But what um, is your best take?
1: My best take, um, this is kind of a off the wall best take, but my best take is going to NBC this uh, <laughs> this week because they just announced they are adding Snoop Dogg as a primetime analyst for the Paris Olympics coverage. I am so pumped to see Snoop Dogg call a Team USA game like I just, I need that. I need that in my life. Did you ever see, like, the Snoop Dogg, David Attenborough, like, where Snoop Dogg is, like, commenting on the um, nature films? Yes, I have. Like, I think that that's low-key what we could get, that kind of internet content. Oh, yeah, especially if Team
0: USA underperforms. Absolutely. Yeah, he'll be pissed. Yeah. Snoop Dogg's a hooper. Yeah, no, he, he gets pissed at his Lakers. All right, my best take goes to Shaq. Okay. Uh, Shaq quote Michael Jordan ain't never played for the heat Bill Russell ain't never played for the heat I know Bill Russell is for the social rights stuff and obviously like for me being a white person maybe not the most appropriate to talk about but the Michael Jordan did not play for the heat like
1: I don't did you want to explain to the audience what this is in yeah reference so to?
0: The Miami Heat have hung the jerseys of Michael Jordan and Bill Russell in their arena and like why I know Pat Riley said the whole league should retire Michael Jordan's number, which, like, if the entire league had done that, sure. <laughs> but they didn't. And you know what? Like, sure. Like, the thing is, like, the Bulls were like the, def- the Bulls were like one of the defining rivals for this team during two of our title runs. And the Celtics have been, like, Heat Celtics has kind of been like the defining rivalry of, I'll say, the whole entire NBA since like 2010. Like, I don't know. I know Bill Russell's from a different era. The Heat didn't even exist back then, but it just seems weird to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about this, but honestly, it's kind of how like, I feel the about... The way
0: I feel about it is if Bill Russell played for the Heat, the Celtics would not have retired his number. <laughs> that's true. Like, right that's now, the way I Mark feel about it, and I think that's like Udonis that. Haslam's whole point is like, like, if Michael Jordan played for the Heat, the Bulls wouldn't have retired his number. Yeah, like those teams hate the Heat, and we hate them. And it's like, where does it
1: where does it stop? Like, like LeBron's done a lot for like social justice over
0: his career. Like, are we retiring LeBron's number in the Garden? Like, his Celtics number fans number would throw everywhere? a conniption if LeBron's number was thrown up there. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I I feel a little bit of the same way about um like teams having Jordan brand jerseys. Like the Suns had a Jordan brand jersey during the bubble year that did not sit right with me i'm like this guy beat us in the finals one of the few times we ever made it and now he's on our freaking
0: jersey yeah did you see like utah team store was selling like some sort of like throwback 90s jazz stuff with a jordan logo on it and it's like dude no jazz fan wants to buy that yeah
1: yeah it's the i don't know it's it's because these these companies aren't aiding the NBA in trying to create rivalries. Like if Jordan was if Jordan Brand was really smart, they would make like a bunch of anti-Jordan um like merchandise and memorabilia for the Jazz and the Suns and the Knicks, all the teams that Jordan absolutely the torched. Yeah. The Pacers. Yeah,
0: no. I, yeah, I don't know. I just like I think my issue with it is like with all due respect to what like what Bill Russell's done for the game and off the court, what Michael Jordan's done for the game, but like if either of those guys played for the Heat, I just know their jerseys wouldn't be in Boston Gardens, so like I don't think their jerseys should be in Miami Heat Stadium.
1: I have more of a problem with the Michael Jordan than the Bill Russell, I will say, but um, especially because Bill Russell, it kind of makes sense, it's like he was the first guy, you know, yeah, he's, he's Bill like Russell's done the Jackie so
0: Robinson. Much. I mean, Michael Jordan is too, I mean, like my thing with Bill Russell is like if every stadium did it, I'm cool with that, but if we're going to be the only team that does it, like that's where I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that one guy that's like, oh, like
1: let's let's all wear casts because Billy broke his arm the other day, and he's uh, the only one uh, that like wears it. a sling. Yes. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, what is your what's your worst take, of dude? The week?
0: I'm not even kidding. I could not find a worst take, so I tried to think back on you and I's worst takes, but worst take was giving us worst take because me and you, uh, this is the worst take is giving us worst take because I gave us worst take because a long time ago, you said the Lakers were going to fall down the standings. I said the Cavs were going to rise the standings and the magic weren't going to fall the standings. You also said the Hawks would rise. So me and you went three or four, the Lakers are 17 and 17 they They're three and seven in their last 10. Um, the Magic are still the four seed, but they're slowly going to fall. They're four and six in their last ten. Uh, the Cavs, were, they lost last night, but they were actually the five seed, looking like they were about to overtake the Magic. So maybe I, don't, I can't say we're like perfect, but prematurely gave us worst take. So the worst take goes to me for giving us worst take. This because is- I, I literally tried. I tried. I scoured everything. I went down Skip's whole timeline, Stephen A's timeline. <laughs> I went down the, down the timelines of everybody. But no one really had a take that I thought was that bad this week. Yeah,
1: my, um, yeah, I will say it, that's the funny thing about talking about the NBA twice a week is I feel like if we wait long enough, any take could be the best take or the worst take. We just got to wait two more weeks. Yeah. And then it'll flip. Um, my worst take of the week is going to Dwight Howard, who said that the NBA bubble title was the hardest finals, hands down, even harder than 2009 versus Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Like, That This is just, like, the perfect example of a NBA player that is now out of the league, very Cam Newton-esque, and that is just dying to be contrarian about something.
0: Well, but but does his quote mean the finals series versus the Heat, or does he mean the whole, like, being away from your family and having to be locked in? Because I think there is a lot to the bubble title being the most difficult title. I, 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 the way I took it was the basketball. I don't
1: think he would mean the basketball. And, and like, think about his personal role on this team. And I mean, not to say, it, but Dwight Howard doesn't have family that he's <laughs> away from. I mean, I guess he has an extended family, but um, I don't know. I just
0: thought that was a whack take. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to hear it in context. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's it is a. I, I honestly don't think either of you should get. I don't know, Max. Do you think either of these even deserve to make it onto the worst of the month list? No, I think it's kind of a week. Week, it's a week, week. Yeah. Can, can I can I just give us worst take?
1: Yeah. I, the the tough thing this week is like there were so many days off of like normal broadcast coverage of sports <laughs> that we didn't we didn't have. Like we're, shooter
0: shooting, we're in the true dog days of NBA coverage because, like, if you go to any of those like big national people, like ninety nine percent of their tweets are going to be about the NFL playoffs because mm. final week of the regular season's upon us. Not to mention the college football playoff, which oh yeah happened yesterday. You catch any no part who, of either who won? Of those I games. don't follow college at all.
1: Crazy crazy game. I only watched the very end of both games, but Michigan won the Rose Bowl against Alabama that went into overtime. Came down to the absolute last play, and then Washington beat Texas, which also came down to the last play. Texas had the ball on like their 15 yard line or something, and uh, they couldn't convert.
0: So we're getting the M versus the W team. Yeah, we're, so we're just logos the, flipped upside down. That's it, how we're getting the final. Yeah, it, it just
1: just like that. But yeah, it could be um, Harbaugh's. Harbaugh can finally he might make it all the way to the mountaintop this this time around it Patrick, be-
0: I, I want to give one shout out to the end of this podcast to uh the phoenix sports teams the suns like you said four game win streak that cardinals game cardinals took out cardinals the, eagles, the eagles man <laughs> kyler murray looked amazing in that game other than the pick but hey that we- was a really fun game to watch
1: yeah no i mean the phoenix sports scene it's been uh very up and down since the Diamondbacks lost in the World Series, but uh, looking up. Looking looking up for 2024.
0: Yeah. Max, how are you feeling about the Timberwolves as we hit the new year? I feel like they're they're like slowing down a smidge. Yeah, I mean, obviously lost to the Knicks. Um, I don't know. I, I'm like starting to get a little bit scared. Uh, I know somebody said, uh, was it one of you guys were talking to me about how the Thunder are catching up to the Wolves? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit scared about that situation. Yeah, but like game all, and a half ahead right now. Yeah, yes. wow, the Thunder are number two. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. It's the gap is starting to close for sure, and like the Celtics are not losing an edge. So
1: I'm worried. I'm a little worried. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's how it is, man. That's how it is. It's like you win a couple games, you, you lose a couple games, you win a couple games. It, it's it's tough up top, but. You'll get used to it, maybe. <laughs> I,
0: I think we might be entering the stretch of the NBA regular season where we're going to see a lot of like weird results. Because I think like in the past, the NBA dog days was like March, April. But I feel like the NBA dog days where it's like there's like a little bit of a malaise is going to be this month, and I think that's kind of a result of the in-season tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it got a little bit of juice injected to it with the with the trade. But um, yeah, we will we will see how. <laughs> what kind of steam we go yeah, I think, into the I think this All-Star might be a weird with.
0: month of NBA. I I'm predicting a lot of weird results this month. But
1: James, if this is actually a huge week of NBA basketball for our podcast, do you know why?
0: Is it Thunder Timberwolves? Even better. Suns heat Suns heat what January
1: then? 5th, this Friday, um they, they are that's that's Friday, right? January 5th, my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Um we, we'll come up with some kind of... We might need to watch that. Some kind
0: of bet. Yeah, yeah we'll come up with a, a, a bet live. for the Thursday pod when we drop our Western All-Stars. And, uh,
1: but yeah, something to to keep eye on during bowl season. It is the Foul Trouble Bowl. The Foul um, Trouble Bowl. Is this in Peter's Phoenix starting, or Miami? It's in Phoenix. It is in Phoenix. Okay. Um, and then they play again like in like two weeks. Um, but
0: yeah, super exciting. I'm praying. We better go 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> we can't lose these frauds. <laughs> all right i think that'll cut the end this, episode this, guy. Here. this guy. <laughs> have a good one everyone we'll see you on thursday for our western all-star teams peace